Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So he's going to do everything he can on his end, shy of violating our will, our free choice, our free will, shy of doing that. He will do everything he can on his end to get us to that place where he can do it. He wants to. So he wants us to be walking in obedience so that we can come to him with that sanctified confidence. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Jesus will do everything he can to bring us to his will. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that Jesus wants us to follow his plan for our lives, not because he wants things his way, but because he knows that it is the best way for us. But for us to follow his will, we must be certain that we're not trapped in the sin that holds us back. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 17 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If there's unconfessed sin, willful disobedience, we cannot come to the Lord and petition the throne and cry out unto him and expect him to hearken unto the voice of our cry until he deals with that first. He has to first deal with the sin. He has to first deal with the disobedience, the willful disobedience. Again, we're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about sinlessness. We're talking about disobedience and willful disobedience. He has to not harshly. He's never harsh. He's gentle, merciful, kind. I think of Proverbs 28, 13 that says that the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, will not be blessed. But the one who confesses and forsakes will find mercy. We cry out to God, oh, be merciful to me, O Lord. Well, uh, we need to deal with first things first. Let's deal with this. So I can't. There needs to be this confession of sin, this forsaking of sin, this repentance from sin. And then you can have that confidence There's power in purity. You lose that power in prayer, particularly when you're walking in impurity. And conversely, when when there's purity, there comes this power, this boldness. We come to the throne of God with a boldness, not an arrogance, a confidence, not in ourselves, a confidence in the Lord. It's a sanctified confidence. And this is the confidence that David is giving voice to here. He has this sanctified confidence. I'm upright, Lord. You've tested my lips. I'm righteous, Lord. Not of my own righteousness. I am right with you. I'm walking in righteousness before you. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me. And you've not found anything anything. You've found nothing. And now this is why 
He can come to the Lord with such boldness. And in this plea to the Lord, before the Lord, he can say to the Lord, okay, Lord, now, because of that, I'm asking you for this. You don't think the Lord's going to hear that? You don't think the Lord's going to hear the cry and hearken unto the voice of the cry of a child of God who's walking in this way? He can't not. I know that's not proper English. Don't email me. He can't not. (laughs) He has to. That's consistent with who he is. And here's another thing. And think this through with me. God is always going to create an environment in our lives that is conducive to our obedience. He he will never create an environment that is going to put us in this position that's conducive to our disobedience. He can't do that. That's inconsistent with the character and the nature of a righteous and perfect God. So he's always going to, maybe I can say it this way, orchestrate the circumstances, choreograph the steps so that it's conducive to us walking in righteousness. Here's uh, something I heard many years ago, and I've never forgot it. It goes like this. God wants you in his will even more than you yourself want to be in his will. You know, God, what is your will? You you think God is in heaven playing a chess game with you? Trying to keep you from figuring out what his will is for your life? And what do we know about his will? (laughs) His pleasing and good and perfect will. It's when in Romans 12, we're told to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. And then what we do in doing so is we prove, that's a pretty strong word, we prove what his will is. God wants us in his will. God wants us walking in obedience. God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to give us that which we ask him for. So he's going to do everything he can on his end, shy of violating our will, our free choice, our free will, shy of doing that. He will do everything he can on his end to get us to that place where he can do it. He wants to. So he wants us to be walking in obedience so that we can come to him with that sanctified confidence. Lord. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm upright. Now hear me. Oh, he hears you. And not only does he hear you, he, you can know for a certainty that he will not only hear you, he will attend to your cry and he will give you that which you ask for. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Well, let's move on. Verse 8. I love this. I love this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Now, uh, let me just um, expound on this. You've heard the expression, uh, he's the apple of my eye. They're the apple of my eye. Now, 
What does that mean exactly? You know, you've heard of all these expressions. You ever wonder what the origin of them is? Well, this is the origin of it right here. It's in God's word. Go figure, right? Well, here's the idea. Here's the thought behind the apple of your eye. Think of this. The apple is the pupil. Now, keep me as, or if you prefer, in the pupil of your eye. You know how it is that if you're really close to somebody and you look into their eyes, you can see your reflection in their eyes. That's what he's saying. Keep me close to you, so close that I'm as the apple of your eye, in the pupil of your eye. That close. Because when I'm that close, then this part makes sense. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. These are, of course, metaphors. I'm so close and so protected. I'm the apple of your eye. I'm in the pupil of your eye. And I'm hid ever so safely under the shadow of your wings. Verse 9. From the wicked. This is his prayer, his plea for protection from the wicked who oppress me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed up, I like this imagery, their fat hearts. (laughs) I like that as fat hearts. With their mouths, they speak proudly. They have now, verse 11, surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth. As a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, verse 13. Confront him. Cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand. From men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life. And whose belly you will fill with your hidden treasure. (laughs) They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possession for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Well, that Notice the contrast. That's what they do, but here's what I'm going to do. That's what they're trying to attempt to do. But this is what I know in my righteousness I will do. This is what I love about Psalm 17 and really the many others that David pens. It starts out with David crying out to God. I mean, when I say crying out to God, I mean sometimes literally... He's praying in tears. He's literally weeping and crying out to God. And God hearkens under the voice of his prayer. Now, to me, this speaks to one of the most powerful yet, it's so childlike simple as a principle in scripture and it's that of the cry 
from a child of God. The cry from a child of God always reaches the ears of God and in so doing moves the mighty hand of God. Think of it this way, and I, I, I hope you'll appreciate again the simplicity of this, but I always like to try to understand my loving Heavenly Father through the lens of my love for my children as an earthly father. And I love my children so much. I love them so much. But here's the thing. God loves them more. And there's so many parallels between the relationship of a child to a parent and our relationship as a child of God to Father God. I, I remember when our uh, boys were very young and first born, and of course before they were born, we bought, like many other parents tend to do, all the books on parenting, right? We wanted to get, you know, kind of ahead of the game and you know, we're really excited about being parents. So, oh, and by the way, the shelves at that time in the bookstores, which are a thing of the past, now everything's online, but the, the shelves on the bookstores in that day were not lacking for books on parenting. I mean voluminous. Book after book on parenting this way and parenting that way and parenting God's way. Oh, God's way, well, apparently somebody deemed it fit to author a book presupposing that they knew that their parenting was God's parenting. And I, I think, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me correctly, it often does not. I think it was, in fact, titled Parenting God's Way. I think that was the name of it. And it was a whole curriculum, and it came out of a church on the mainland. And here was the premise of it. Let your child cry it out. The, the, the thought behind this way of parenting, let them cry it out. The whole idea was, if you pick them up every time they start crying, then you're catering to them. And you're spoiling them and you're communicating to them that all they have to do is cry and they're going to get whatever they want. And you can't do that. So there was another book and I think the author was a doctor by the name of Sears, William Sears, I'm not sure. And it was the antithesis of this method of parenting. And this method of parenting was attachment parenting. This was uh, the, uh, you want to hold the baby, you don't let them cry it out. You have to bond with the baby. Uh, you, you wear the baby. And they would uh, recommend these, uh, they, were, they would call them over-the-shoulder baby holders. It, it sort of simulated the uh, womb, the security of the womb. And the uh, baby's uh, head is there close to the heartbeat, and it soothes and calms the baby. 
And so they would say, wear, wear the baby in the over-the-shoulder baby holder. I called it a womb with a view. Because <laughs> you, you had this, you know, this uh, kind of this womb. It was a simulation of a womb. And so you've got this, let them cry it out. And you got this, no, wear the baby and hold them every time they cry and soothe them and calm them and love them. So my wife and I are like, what are we going to do? So we thought, okay, we'll try to cry it out. All right. That lasted for 4.8 seconds. Because I'm hearing my baby cry. And everything within me is screaming to give heed to that cry. I need to listen to that cry and I need to do something about that cry because I can't hear that cry. At night, you know, when you first have a baby and some of you are, are uh, just bearing witness right now, right? You don't sleep. You don't sleep when you first bring baby home. Uh, so you expect me to sleep when my baby is in the next room over there screaming and crying? Are you kidding me? How's that going to work? Now, please, some of you are going to, oh, man, I can already see the emails and the comments. Well, we did that, and it worked out just fine. Our kids are doing great. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm not that person, so maybe you're better than me. Praise the Lord. I know for me, I cannot stand to this day. To this day, I cannot stand to hear my children cry. I'm going to hearken unto the voice of their cry. Recently, my daughter, Sabia, very emotional. In fact, was on the way to church. We're talking about, you know, some things that happened. And, and she just starts to, you know, cry. Not, you know, weeping, but just tears uh, falling down on her face. And I took my hand and I wiped those tears from her face. And I tried to encourage her and comfort her and love on her. I can't stand to see my children cry. Now here's where I'm going with this. And I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going with this. But how do you think God feels about us as his children when we cry? Can you imagine God in heaven? Let him cry it out. No, seriously, here's David, a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, upright in all of his ways, blameless before the Lord, crying out unto the Lord. What's the Lord going to do? Cry it out, David. Ah, I better move on or I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about this. A cry is our earliest utterance, and in many ways the most natural of human sounds. If our prayer should, like the infant's cry, be more natural than intelligent, and more earnest than elegant, it will be nonetheless eloquent with God. 
There is a mighty power in a child's cry to prevail with a parent's heart. Oh, the power of a child's cry. I tell you, there have been many times in my life where I have wept before the Lord, cried out to the Lord, and as God is my witness, and God knows my heart when I say this, it was almost as if the Lord, as only he can, just wrapped his arms around me. I mean, it was just this sense that it's going to be okay. I love you. I hear your cry. This, this calming, this, by the way, uh, what do we know to be true about that great and final day? Is not the Lord himself going to wipe the tears from our eyes? Were it not for that, I, ha- I have to tell you, before God, again, as my witness, I, I don't know what I would have done. There have been times where the bottom just fell out and fear set in. And the the enemy is right there giving you that spirit of fear. And and you become fearful and and anxious. And and you're, you're, you're listening to and believing in the lies from the father of lies. I remember when we were renovating this building. Man, there were so many nights. I'm just being candid with you. I hope it's not uncomfortable for me to be so transparent and honest. But there were times when it was so intense and the enemy was right there in the night season. He always comes at night. I don't know what it is. He doesn't like lunch, noontime or whatever. He always comes at the end of the day in the Night season, maybe it's because you're, you're weary and tired. Maybe that has something to do with it. But you're laying in bed and you can't sleep. Your mind's going a million miles an hour and the enemy's right there putting thoughts in your mind. He can't read your mind. He's putting thoughts in your mind. What are you going to do? Where's the money going to come from? You're going to be the laughing stark of the windward side, in fact, the whole island, in fact, the whole state of Hawaii. Look at that guy. <laughs> Started out to build this church and didn't count the cost. Didn't have enough. Oh, the expenses were 10 times as much as the money that was available. What are you going to, you're, you're going to, you are that man. What are you going to do? Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 